The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald and you're listening to Blethered on the Big Light Network. My guests are broadcaster Janice Forsyth and producer Fiona White. Big Light co-founders Fiona and Janice talked to me about their early days working at STV and on numerous programmes across TV and radio. We discussed the inception of the Big Light and how they aim to change the face of podcasting in Scotland. And you'll hear about a house party with Cindy Lauper in Glasgow and accidental phone calls from Billy Conley. And as always, there's plenty more. This episode is brought to you by debt experts don't fret about debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt Senior Debt Advisor Tommy Gallagher, where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland, helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. Cheers. Are either of you apprehensive or nervous? <laughs> Especially you, Janice, because it's a role reversal. <laughs> I hate the role reversal. <laughs> I hate being interviewed. No, I'm not nervous because I believe in you. You're fantastic, Sean. Thank so, yeah, you. I think we're in safe hands. What about you, Fiona? No. <laughs> Straight to the point. Um, it'll, we'll kind of, it's going to be a wee bit, not difficult, but I'll have to dart between both of you. Sure. But obviously, your experiences coincide. So feel free to interject, divert, go anywhere at any point, interrupt whatever you want to do. Um, Fiona, we'll start with you. Uh oh. You started at STV. How many years before I was born were you working at STV? <laughs> when were you born, Sean? 1990. Eight years I'd been there. You'd have been fresh faced at that point. Oh, you. <laughs> now, I started in 1982 wow. and what you need to know about that is in 1982 at Scottish Television, the news was still shot on 16mm reversal film. I remember you saying. So, um, although I didn't work in the news department uh, as such, I was absolutely fascinated by the live news show and I used to go and sit up the back and make an absolute pest of myself. Um, just wanting to, you know, kind of learn as much as possible about television at the time. But the, the news stories were on 16mm film. So You if, said it had to go for a bath. I had to go to the, the, the processing bath in Maryhill um, by four o'clock in the afternoon or else, you know, there were no pictures on the news uh, story that, you know, was yeah. being broadcast. And it was literally telecine one roll and the, the film would roll <laughs> through and then there would be another telecine machine that did the next news story. So the first one was rewinding and you know, it was then able to then take the next news story. Wow. And it was so exciting, but so mad to think that it's yeah. only, I mean, I still think 1982 is not that long at all. But um, it, it's incredible to think of the advances in uh, media. 
since 1982, and I've I've lived through them all. <laughs> what was what was the environment like? Because you go into say if we were to nip next door, we're in Pacific Key. If you we went to the BBC or STV, it's this slick, refined, professional newsroom. But was there the clouds of smoke and the people half yeah. cut after lunchtime? Oh, yeah. <laughs> were you one of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't work in news at that time uh, when I first started. I just worked in the marketing department, but was absolutely transfixed by what was happening in production. So I used to hang about a lot, as I said. But um, no, STV was an incredible place to work at the time, Janice, mm. wasn't it? Because it it was it it was at that time still, you know, the ultimate publisher broadcaster. Mm-hmm. You, you could um, you could feel the kind of excitement as you walked through into your work in the morning it was vibrant there was you know studios were making things like there was the big set for Take the High Road for example was always there there were big game shows happening there was lots of documentary films being made and basically it was allowed to make a lot of its own local content Mm. although it was part of the ITV network it was it felt like an exciting place to work didn't it and we it was so great because we started working on this programme called NB series which was really there hadn't been anything like it certainly in in Scotland, which was you taking the camera right into galleries. I always thought that you know you'd find a wee gallery, sort of obscure gallery somewhere in the centre of Glasgow. And I know that I would maybe feel a bit funny about am I allowed to go in there? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think for us taking the cameras and we were aware and we got feedback, instant feedback from the viewers about it too. People found it incredibly refreshing. We went into theatres, the Tron Theatre, all that stuff. So we're talking about the late eighties. I think it was eighty nine when we started. That's um, right. That's right. Uh, spring eighty nine. And um, there was a real sort of renaissance of Scottish culture. Mm-hmm. So it was just the right time for us to be doing that. And we knew at the time, I often had a boyfriend at the time who said to me, Janice, you will look back on this time oh. and you will, you know, you will know that you were so lucky to have this opportunity. Yeah. But that was a great thing, Fiona, because we did at the time, we knew that we were, it was, we were living our best lives. <laughs> we were, we were. That's what we're trying to recreate, actually, with our our. Company yeah. now is that sense of people really uh, being rewarded because it felt it felt like even as a a kind of young member of the team, my ideas were taken. You know, yeah. you, mm-hmm. you, you you could get something on the telly yeah. by having an idea and going and pitching it and you know then you you would get it made. Yeah, and um, I was really really lucky to be you know to have worked with some incredibly generous and brilliant producers and directors at that time. The late 80s, it was a very interesting time in in the media in general, in newspapers and in television, where um, all the so-called restrictive practices that had gone on were all broken down. So, for example, that news story that I was talking about a minute ago, you would have nine people in the crew Going yeah. out from, you know, the driver, the PA, the spark, the cameraman, <laughs> the producer, the director, the yari yari. There was nine nine people had to be squashed into vehicles and taken. And now, you know, it's one, one absolutely person. <laughs> normal for one person or, 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 you know, a reporter and a, a, a camera sound person mm-hmm. to be out gathering. So we were, we, we, when I got into production, it was during the time when restrictive practices were being broken down. And I was really lucky to be given the chance to go out and direct and then become a producer. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was quite an, an relatively 
liberating and easy process back yeah. then. And actually, do you know what? I think there is a parallel with podcasting, which is what our world is all about now, because you can just be so blue and nimble, as you yeah. know, mm-hmm. Sean, with, with ideas. And as Fiona says, that's what we want to do with the big light, is build that up and present opportunities to a new generation of people coming through. But we, you know, Fiona was able to, she's, she goes out and produces and directs Tea in the Park and, and all of that, and, and chart by another pop programme. And I was able to do things like a programme about women in comedy. You just go and take the idea, and if you've got a good producer boss not all of them were encouraging I have mm-hmm. to say not all of them were um, but um, if, if you get somebody really generous of spirit and thinks actually I can see there's a talent here I want to, to help you can go off and do those things yeah. I think back to the number of programmes that we actually came up with the ideas Fiona and mm-hmm. then were able to make including quite a few abroad <laughs> well Tea in the Park being a case oh, in point where incredible uh, it seems mad now when was it 94 it started yeah so late 1993 Stuart Klumpus who ran Dance Factory DF um, he he was uh, at the time he was also a music um, you know a band manager he managed Love and Money and we knew him through I knew him because I did a lot of pop, pop stuff for STV um, and he we went for lunch one day and he told me about this thing that he was thinking of developing called Tea in the Park. Oh, never take I, off. Never take <laughs> off. What did I think about it? And, and he was like, do you think maybe we could get a story on the news about it? I'm like, I think we can do better than that. <laughs> Why don't we get it on the telly? And I remember going to my, my boss at the time, the amazing amazing David Scott, who was who came into Scottish television in the late 80s, uh, early 90s rather, when Gus MacDonald came from uh, Granada to to head up uh, STV and he brought in a lot of people from print journalism and David had been a a towering senior senior editor of a variety of papers in Scotland and he was uh, brought in as head of news and then he became head of programmes and he was effectively my boss. (laughs) And um, I remember having gone to lunch with Stuart Klumpas coming in and going and knocking on knocking on uh, David's door and going round into the cloud of <laughs> cigar smoke <laughs> as he's got his feet up on the table. You know, it never, like ha- it never, ha- it would never happen <laughs> nowadays, but he was such an incredible, uh, amazing uh, kind of old school journalist. And um, I will reveal that he did uh, say, all right, toots. <laughs> <laughs> As he swigged from a bottle of whiskey. And it was the afternoon, so he had his feet up on the table and he was smoking a big, massive cigar. And I was like, David, there's this thing called Tea in the Park. Um, It's a music festival and I would really like to, I think Scottish television should, pitched it and he was like, all right, <laughs> off Simple you as go that. and do it. And that's kind of how, mm. that's how yeah. it happened. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's a lot more work to it than that. But that first year at Tea in the Park was incredible because we did it on single cameras with mm. um, no truck and no, nothing. Yeah. We just did it all. And then we, then we edited it all from scratch and it went out like a, a week later. But that was the first uh, experience of, of Tea in the Park and... And uh, yeah, it felt like a really, really, really mm-hmm. exciting time to be working. So like, at the time, you know, you're saying being at STV is like an exciting environment. Do you think it was like a sort of complete opposite to more traditional forms of broadcasting or getting things done, say maybe at the BBC, they probably set the benchmark at the time because they, the, they were the first and the biggest? 
Um, I, I don't really know. I never worked for the BBC. I, I did a few freelance jobs mm-hmm. much, much later in my career uh, when I came back to do tea in the park in 2007, 8, 9, 10. But um, SCV just felt, it, it, it's a bit of a daft cliche, but it felt like you were part of a big family of, you know, like-minded souls who were kind of developing and making this incredible content that um it was also incredibly confident that's yeah. the thing it was it was it, it stv at that point had a real confident sense of itself mm. it was hugely ambitious and at the same time as Fiona and i have been saying if you had the right producers above you and senior producers they would they would give us a chance they you believe know, in you give us an opportunity to to make all sorts of mm-hmm. interesting programs yeah do you think there's been a lot of stuff that's been lost to the ether because producers or commissioners weren't willing to to give it a go because maybe sometimes something doesn't fit this exact brief and they'll just go nah not for us because I always read pitches or ideas and I think I would love to hear that Mm. and some commissioners went nah doesn't Mm -hmm. fit the exact letter of what we've put it sounds to me as if at STV they would have went well tell me your idea it was it it was a very different world back then and and STV also had a, a budget for making local programming and they also had a directive to for making local programming that was part mm. of the that was part of the the deal that they had with ITV and I think Scotland had different for example they had to make religious programming they had to make educational programming they had to make Gaelic programming mm. so there was a lot of um freedom and money mm-hmm. locally and we were lucky that we that we happened to get into making tele programs at a time where there were budgets and the will to have a variety of progr- you know arts programs uh, in particular, yeah. which is where we ended up. We used to make arts programs. Now arts programs aren't really made. Um, and I think one of the things I've and one of the reasons why I kind of get out of tele later on was there's there became more of an appetite for and it's all about making money let's be honest yeah. there became more of an appetite for these long running format series which was great you know great for the industry in Scotland that things um you know like the independent sector really grew after the you know uh, uh, from the 90s onwards and there's now something like 300 independent production companies in in uh, Scotland. But a lot of those shows became very formulaic and very formatted. So you've got everything from, you know, the brilliant location, location, location as an example. But it's now in series whatever, mm-hmm. probably high 30s or something like that. And it's fantastic for the industry, but it's not fantastic if you're a young producer um, and you want to get on and you want to make something meaningful for you, yeah. you go in, you become part of a machine that's yeah, you, making a programme that's a you fit in, signed and sealed format. Yeah, you fit into the mould that already exists. Yeah, it's like yeah. making sausages. It's like you're kind of just babysitting that format through the next 12 mm. programmes. And that, to me, became incredibly boring. Where we were back in the, mm. the, the, the 90s was a completely different world. And it's it's changed because it had to commercially change. Where did you both coincide, Janice? What was your first sort of meeting? Do you remember? Are you able to pinpoint that? I do remember I feel precisely. like if you met this, this Tasmanian devil coming through an office, you wouldn't forget it. <laughs> I do remember meeting Fiona um, 
because I had been working on, so you could correct me if you want to get anything wrong. I was, I got a job at STV working on a show, an Edinburgh Festival show called Acropolis Now. It's a great title. Yeah. Uh, Muriel Gray had done it for a while. And then I arrived to work as a researcher on the manifestation, which was with a guy called Hank Wangford. Um, it's difficult <laughs> to say. Again? I know, I did well. Um, who bizarrely, she was a country music mu- musician right. and also a gynecologist in real life. I know. I know, you couldn't make it up. And, um, and I'll, I'll be asking to see you certificate. I know, I know. And he, did, he, he co-presented with Morwenna Banks, who has actually been writing um, episodes of various, you know, proper drama series that are on television at the moment. Um, and she's married to David Bedil as well, just a little right. bit of stuff. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, so... so Fiona and I met on that show, I think. But I think I, I think I was working that, and you were working on another Edinburgh Festival show, maybe with Sheena McDonald or something back in the day. But we were sharing an office, yeah. and I remember seeing Fiona because you'll know this from Fiona and whiteboards and stuff. And Fiona, <laughs> yeah. Fiona has fantastic handwriting, and she was like <laughs> writing on this big, you know, everything that was up in the program on this big whiteboard. And I was like, oh, I love her writing, <laughs> and it was almost like I fell in love with Fiona through her, through her writing on the whiteboard. But I really remembered her. I was like, who is she? And then we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. We've so hated was, each other ever since. It was calligraphy that brought you together. It was, it was. <laughs> See, wait, were you going to STV? So what what kind of prompted you to go and do that? Because I want to ask you about Switzerland because I do have a, a conversation, uh, sorry, a question that will yeah. relate to the current day. Well, the thing is, I, I I lose track of the chronology. You can maybe help me feel. I mean, I did that that show STV. NB came later, didn't it? NB came. But much I'd later, been yeah. I'd I'd so basically I'd done a degree in drama mm-hmm. and English at Glasgow University. Then I had um, sort of not been sure what I wanted to do. I'd done a wee bit of directing, this, that, and the next thing. And then I fell into doing uh, working for newspapers. So I worked for Sunday Times Scotland when it started up. Scotland and Sunday and various other papers. I was a fashion editor in one of the papers. Right, yeah. All that stuff. You just got all these blue opportunities and it was amazing to do uh, and then NB came along so um, Switzerland was before that that was a yeah. summer that was when I was a student I went to Switzerland because what I was going to ask about that is did that kind of shape going into like at that time a different country a different culture and environment and you wouldn't have had as much of a connection to home because it's not as if you can just FaceTime or Skype did that bring out like this curiosity or this interest in you and the world around you or did it already exist? It already existed. And that's why you I, went. I, you know, I, my late mum and dad love them very much and everything, but we, you know, we were in the, a tiny wee council house, a four in the block in Knightswood and, you know, happy childhood and all of that stuff. But I, my mum had had a rotten childhood. It all goes back to that. She did a rotten time as a kid. She had a hideous mother. And so she, she was the opposite of that. She was quite protective of us. Mm-hmm. So I completely remember rebelled against that since a teenager on and as soon as I could I left home at 18 I remember going off in my with my then boyfriend, God, what did I see in him? Um, this guy, and I remember he'd, 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 his dad's sab. I remember this, and we drove off. And as soon as we got up the road, I was smoking. Yeah, you know, just all that stuff. It's yeah. just a horrible, horrible, rebellious person. Um, so going to Switzerland, I loved. But I, I mean, I threw myself into it too much. I remember that because I'd just split up from my boyfriend and uh, gone off to Switzerland, and I ended up going a wee bit loop de loop because it was mental. Because I could speak really good French. Thought I was going to go. Speak French. Ended up speaking German, but Swiss German. It was a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. It was actually a, quite a mental strain on me. 
And um, yeah, but me and my, the boyfriend I had then, I sound as if I'm, hello. Um, <laughs> but you know, I was young. Um, yeah. And um, he and I ended up, we just, we, we did it on like zero money because he'd been in the Swiss army. So he knew how to live on nothing. It was just incredibly practical. So Did we, he have a knife? He did have a Swiss Army knife. He did. He did. How did he even join the Swiss Army? Is it open to anybody? I think no. You were called up. You had to do it. Oh, so he was Swiss. Yes. Or did you meet him at uni? He was French Swiss. No, this guy I met over there when I was working in Switzerland. Oh, you met sorry. him there. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. You harlot. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but we would do things like um, would, uh, he would hide in the bushes on highways, and I would be out with my long blonde hair and you know tiny, wee petite, gorgeous looking wee girl, and I would be out, you know. Um, doing the hitchhiking and big lorries would be swerving to a halt as he saw me then he would jump out of the bushes with the bags and, get, and then they were really pissed off that it wasn't just me but I think back to that if my parents knew any of that they yeah, knew nothing nor was I inclined to send them any kind of postcards or anything mm, Sean yeah, <laughs> terrible daughter hmm. there you go in contrast Fiona yeah a ha- I was going to say a Harridan of virtue that's the wrong word <laughs> What, is it Harridan? What was it made you, you want to join STV at the time? Because it is a very, at that point, would have been a very niche career. So I didn't know anything about anything to do with television. Nothing at all. I went to Glasgow Tech, as it was at the time, um, and I did a rubbish degree, HND or whatever it was called, in uh, sec- secretarial studies with languages, French and German, business French and German. And I envy and you that now because your shorthand I is know. magnificent. Yeah, I, did the most, I did the most uh, intense touch typing, touch typing. Oh. All, the, all the amazing, because anyway, yeah. that's what I did. And um, I remember sitting in the final week doing some job application or something on the electronic typewriter because we learned on, it was so long ago that we learned on uh, manual uh, typewriters. There weren't any computers. <laughs> Do you have to like, hit the wee thing, ding, yes, every time you finish? absolutely. <laughs> like, like nine to five, Dolly Parton. Um, so I was just sitting in the room typing or doing whatever it was and I just looked out the window and I looked across Cow Cadden's and I saw the we called it Bertie Bassett, the Bertie Bassett uh, logo the of STV, Scottish yeah. television, uh, the big 3D logo on the wall of the, yeah. the building. And I thought, oh, STV, right, OK, I wonder what goes on. Well, I'll just write to them. So I wrote them, you get any jobs? Got a letter back about a week later saying, no jobs, but we'll keep your name on file. And I thought, I right. Ripped it up, put it in the bin. Went and worked in a variety of duff jobs after that. Didn't go travelling, didn't do any of that because I just wanted into the world of work. And I went and worked in a chartered surveyor's office as one of the partner's secretaries, um, which was so dull. But anyway, one morning, plopping through the letterbox, an envelope with the STV logo stamp. Mm. And I thought, oh, opened it up, invited in for an interview wow. to be a secretary in the programme marketing department. Um, and I got the bloody job. Brilliant. And Exciting. I could not, I couldn't believe my <laughs> luck. Apart from like doubling or tripling my meagre salary at that time. Yeah. Um, I got into this off the scale world of Scottish television in the early 80s mm-hmm. um, and they've just the absolute excitement of mm. walking through reception every day and, and you know walking about the corridors and walking through the studios and you know you just absorb everything they had photography departments makeup mm. departments they had wardrobe departments they had you know graphics they had everything promo departments and you could 
you could wander about and put your nose in. And I just, I didn't work in production, but I very quickly worked out that's what I wanted to do. So would you encourage anybody who wanted to do something to just try and get in the door? Absolutely. Because often when I was younger, I used to look and go, well, if I can't be the managing director, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, if there's only if there's only a job as a cleaner. In fact, Mark Snell, my pal Mark Snell, is a great example. So he ended up really high up, and he'll be annoyed at me naming him. But in the SFA's comms department, going mm-hmm. away with the national team and stuff. But he started like working in the bar, I think. And yeah, and it's just like get inside yeah. the building and then I think take it we, there. As we were saying earlier on, I think we were incredibly lucky to be in a company that you could start off as anything and end up as the whatever you wanted to do because it was this type of place where if you were really interested you got you got rewarded with um, responsibility and if you if you made a good job of something you got to do it again and then you got to do it again and you got more responsibility it'd be good to see more of that like willingness and aptitude and interest being rewarded as opposed to Mm-hmm. Not to 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 be so or to denigrate qualifications or anything. They're great, but it's not the be all end yeah. all, is and, it? And do you know what? I'm thinking of Christy Wilson Cairns. You know the screenwriter. So she ended up working with Sam Mendes on wow. uh, 1917, I think it was, which was Oscar nominated. And also she's recently done The Good Nurse with Jessica Chastain right. and Eddie Redmayne. The reason I'm mentioning that is Christy I interviewed her recently, but I kind of I've spoken to her a couple of times over the years. Um, but she was somebody who is she's she's got a double barrelled name, so she sounds posh. Yeah. She's not right. So she's from Govan. Um, but she she and I were talking. And she's from a family of pretty gallus women, actually. So she's got that kind of, t- you know, parents to and aunts who are really sort yeah. of cool to look up to and think, just go for it. But basically, um, the reason I'm mentioning her is that she was wandering along one day and she basically saw Taggart being filmed somewhere. So, um, do you know what Taggart is? Uh, by the way, I'll stop. I'll stop you there. So, see, the first time I ever went to the Groucho Club in London with mm. Gordon Smart. And we were up in the smoking area and now you're seeing famous faces left, right and centre. I wasn't smoking but we were up for a bit of fresh air. Yeah. But you're seeing famous faces left, right and centre and I was fine. I'm like, oh, there's Natalie and Brugler. I'm like, oh, there's no Gallagher. No first. And then I went, no fucking way. There's John Mickey for Taggart. Right? And I went over to him and I was like, John, John, John. And because the whole deal is, I was told before you go in, like, you need to be cool. You, yeah, can't, of course, yeah. you can chat to everybody but you can't be fanboy. So I'm yeah. like, this, I'm not bothered. I don't care. A <laughs> but I saw him and he thought I was taking the piss. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, mate, I'm being deadly serious. I was like, I'm a mat. I love Tiger. Like, yeah. I watch oh, it, but I just watch it all the time. And then eventually, me and him ended up best pals because oh. I'm rhyming off all these episodes mm. to him. And I was like, That's I great. thought you were brilliant in this. And I loved you one you were at Bishop Bryce Leisure. You'd have loved that. He That's did. a wee bit creepy. Sean. It was a bit creepy. But yeah, I think if you appreciate somebody, <laughs> yeah. you, should, you should tell them. Well, that's the reason. So basically, Christy Wilson Cairns, who's now a major Hollywood screenwriter, um, she just chanced upon this filming and went along and she just was gallant enough to go up and go, hiya. She had no training in anything mm. remotely related yeah. to production, telly mm. or anything. She's like, she liked the look of it and she went up. And from that, she, you know, she started off literally, you know, making a cup of tea for mm-hmm. people. And from that, she then got a sense of the business. And now, you know, that's her working with Sam Mendes and other people. I think one of the things that I, I remember, because I knew nothing about anything to do with who did what, what the jobs were. You know, you have the pinnacle of being, you know, a producer and an exec producer or whatever, which I ended up doing, which was mm-hmm. incredible considering when I started, That's I didn't amazing. even know what anybody did. But the, a company like SCV, you were able to um, 
to immerse yourself in whatever aspect of what you liked. And the people were so generous back then that they mm. would give you time and help you. Mm. But also a thing that I would recommend anybody to do, any young person getting into anything, don't be afraid of asking dafty questions. Yeah. I asked dafty questions and I still do all the time because none of it is... is rocket science it's just that part of somebody's job but if you don't know yeah you have to just yeah, ask the exactly. question what does that mean what does that do who are those people and it's just through being able to learn on the job which is the most brilliant thing to mm. have been able to do as opposed to going and studying a media degree for mm-hmm. three years or four that's, years at university that's how I learn that's and, how I develop and even yeah. then in my later life when I was employing people or had the opportunity to bring people into a team that I was producing I was always more uh attracted to people that actually hadn't done the big media course and hadn't got all the qualifications I was more interested in their experience and what they'd really done Mm -hmm. and if they'd been really you know motivated to go and learn themselves I think that you're you're a much better and more rounded individual yeah I can do that personally find like saying about the course I feel like if I had done some sort of media course then I may have been moulded in a certain way whereas I do a lot of things that I suppose are quite unorthodox at times but they work for me yeah. that the you know it, the outcome is, is exactly what I'm yeah. after I mean we're saying about Christy just going and and asking or just going and, and doing it not having any experience like yeah. I suppose without being self it's not about me but self-aggrandizing or sort of self-indulgent like, I would say to people do what I did as well just yeah. go and just go and start instead of waiting for yeah. Yeah. like the thing I said to you don't wait for somebody to offer you a seat at the table just yeah. go and kick the door down or yeah. build your own table just... that's you talking about the very beginning when we first met because yeah, well... we first met uh, that's when I was doing my radio show and we were doing a whole a session about podcasting mm-hmm. and there were two or three people on it. I think you did advantage too because I think the others were down the line somewhere yeah. in Edinburgh and Sean came in I just remember th- Fiona knows this I've told her but it was just like who who's this guy? This guy's so impressive. No, because and- I don't normally listen to your show <laughs> and I happened to listen to that episode and I was like Hmm, yeah, he's good. He's good, and, that, and that's what you said. Actually, it was that thing, yeah. wasn't it? What was yeah. your, your phrase so at the like, table? Nobody's going to offer you a seat at the table, so you either go and snatch it. Yeah, you boot the door down because nobody's going to open the door for you. In mm-hmm. fact, I've found at times people have been fantastic with me. So many great people, you two and and loads of others I've encountered that have helped me endlessly. But there are also people who try and gatekeep. Because essentially, it's it's almost as if they think you're either taking food off their table mm. or opportunities out of their inbox or whatever. Yeah. Um, I've never understood that at I all. Me neither. Yeah. There's enough for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, um, getting people in 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 to work in a team as mm-hmm. well that was always really interesting to yeah. me. So you get the absolutely best person that you can get, and then you let them do their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You let them do what you're. You, you, you've got them in to do mm-hmm. um, and that that always worked better than trying to yeah. micromanage it's everybody. Another management. really important aspect of all of this is we want to have fun because mm-hmm. yes. you, you know, our work is our lives basically isn't uh-huh. it? We're lucky enough in a way I mean it's a hard grind, I mean there's no getting away from that but at the same time we're, we realise how privileged we are but we want to build a company where we can all have fun and enjoy ourselves because you're spending so much of your life doing exactly. it. Exactly. And, and be it, creative. Yeah. Be really, really creative. Yeah. I like that and the, the, the removing restriction and allowing people to be creative. I always feel that in here and we'll, we'll talk about where we are right now in the office but we'll, we'll do it kind of chronologically about the company um, about the big light but I find that 
there is a, a feeling of if you come and say, if I was to come and say, I think we should do this, if I'm kind of challenged on it and, and I get to explain and qualify it, then I'll be, all right, cool, let's do it. Whereas if it's in other through other avenues, it would be, well, you need to speak to this guy and you need to wait for this round of commissioning. And yeah. the, the, you have to fit right within this brief. And if it's even 1% off, then we're going to say, no, it's a disaster and we, and we can't do it. Whereas it's, I feel it's, it's the opposite. Yeah. The worst thing is if you don't get blooming feedback at all. Oh, yeah. That's Jesus. so frustrating. We've been there, you know, even yeah. at our agent stage, we still have to go through all of that. And it's so frustrating because the one thing you should get is at least feedback and why you've been knocked back. Totally. Mm. My, my <laughs> personal... My personal favourite is when somebody seeks you out to say, I would like you to come and discuss this. Oh. You kind of work on it and then they just come back and go, nah. And you're like, sorry, you, you sought me out to you knock me back. Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh, is it not? Yeah. No, it's very liberating what we're doing. Yeah. It is. And, it's, it is. and I think we're in an incredible growth time for mm -hmm. podcasting so it feels like we're in the right place at the right time yeah. yeah and you both get a complete wealth of experience both in similar fields and aspects of the business and different which combined that creates this sort of mosaic of of experience I would call it so that kind of culminated in the the creation of the big light mm -hmm. originally what Scotch I mean talk me through I don't know who wants to take the, the floor here but talk me through where this came from and, and how you just kind of went for it? So I'd been working in television um, up until, I don't know, with the last job I did in telly, something like 2015, 16, something like that. It's all a blur to me, sorry. It's all a blur to me what as well. What was the last job, incidentally? Um, I did a show with the, with the comedy unit uh -huh. and it was um, around the first indie ref and it was called Scotland in a Day. Yes, I watched hilarious. it. Hilarious. It was really good fun working um, on that. I did something else in 2015, but I can't remember what it was. Anyway, I um, kind of was getting a bit jaded and yeah. fed up working in telly because of those formulaic shows I was talking about earlier. Um, so I stopped doing it and decided well what will I do now and I was just interested in the digital world and the freedom that that offered so the first thing that I did was work out uh, it was going to be like an SVOD which is stands for subscription video on demand and and Netflix, for example, is an SVOD. So I wondered if there was room for like a Scottish Netflix, which gathered Scottish content together all in one easy to find place and people paid a subscription. And I imagined there was this massive audience all around the world clamouring to watch Scottish films and Scottish documentaries and idea. Scottish. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. But anyway, we got investment in that idea and we developed it for... Uh, two or three years um, but at a key point we then pivoted to audio mm -hmm. um, because podcasting was becoming more slightly more mainstream at the time um, and also we quickly worked out that audio was clearable for world rights as opposed to video having to be cleared territory by territory mm -hmm. Um, and also video rights. So, you know, if you gather together the top 50 Scottish films of all time to license those to then put on a platform for people to pay money to watch is a huge sum yeah. of money. And it was just a, it was just counter 
intuitive really for us because it was going to cost us an awful lot more money uh, to be invested in the company to allow us to go ahead with it. So pivoting to audio was a kind of no-brainer for mm. us when we realised that um, not only did we at that point stop the notion that we would license other people's content to to make up the roster of shows on the platform that we were designing um, but we could make our own content and that was really liberating yeah. and that was the that was the 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 kind of game changer for us doing um audio yeah um just before lockdown just before lockdown <laughs> yes. so the big light was born in 20 february 2020 well it's actually 2019 because yeah. we did a pilot series called brave your day that's um, when I came in, was April 2019, after being on your show, Jan. Yes, right. yeah. So we had another year of development and then we, we, we hit the ground running a yeah. month before lockdown. I'm also <laughs> laughing. It's kind of like we grab the talent, don't we? It's like, <laughs> I've met you, Janice. <laughs> yeah, that's what, after that you came in. Yeah, it was, it was not long after. It's a good example of, you, of what, the freedom to do it. Yeah, I lo- love what you're saying about it as well with the audio and it's liberating and it's it's... Because people say to me, what is a podcast? Or what should I do? And I'm like, anything you want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to sound... I mean, it's preferential if it sounds studio quality and it's great, but it can be anything. You can technically you can do it on your phone. So yeah. everybody's got like the opportunity to there's no, go and be creative. There's no barrier. No, there's none. To entry. Nobody's stopping you. And mm-hmm. you can get your content up there instantly. Yeah. Like and I've, that is so, so liberating for us, having been through the horror of having to pitch ideas yeah. to commissioners. Yeah. You don't need to wait. Yeah. So we're our own we're our own commissioners now for certainly for our, our network content, but we're also a studio for yeah. making other people's content. Have I ever told you the story about what happened to me being made redundant? I might have told you if you know when we when we were in London. Can't remember. Mm, can't remember. So it was like so interesting. So I'd, <laughs> hi, and if you don't remember it, not I could tell the winning lottery numbers, she still wouldn't listen. Um no, so it was like, <laughs> I started the podcast January 2019, it went really well and the first contact I had was from somebody at the BBC, come in, have a meet and have a chat, kind of encouraging me, it was going really well, listeners were through the roof and um, I basically was working remotely for this software company and they were just kind of letting everybody go I, mm. because the European thing maybe just was hemorrhaging money. So they were based in America and they were like, kind of that's it so at this point I'm like right okay that's me just shat myself because I had come back to Scotland for a bit I thought I'm going to really do something with the podcast I'm going to keep going I'll stay in Scotland after coming back for Barcelona which was originally going to be a couple of months and I was like I need to go back to Spain like I have to because I the irony is I could get a job there so quickly mm-hmm. because of my languages so that was it I was like I need to go back I'm going to need to chuck it I'm going to need to put it on ice and then the next day I got the email asking would I like to go on your show for the producer and I thought timing I know so I was like right okay maybe and then Gordon Smart weirdly that day sent me that was how we first started chatting because he'd listened to the podcast and he was like you should come down to Global Radio Mm. and then I thought all right I will a kind of fuck it moment Mm. and just went and then it was a week after I came and met you and then I thought right okay this is it I'm going to stay so if I had yeah. never had that email that day I would have yeah. probably just canned it yeah. and just left it just but do you know what you make me think I think back to you know, my days I did various things obviously you know did drama at uni and then directing some stuff then getting into newspapers one thing led to another and then of course NB which was the brilliant yeah. kind of breakthrough in being on television and I suppose I tend to think that that era has gone 
the era has gone, but those opportunities have gone. But actually, what we've, we've all been saying is, no, you know, Christy Wilson, Cairns, you, whatever, mm-hmm. opportunities are still out there. Um, it's difficult. We know we're in a really difficult, particularly difficult environment at the moment, but yeah. that happens Every you know every every era, there, it's never well, been it's, really easy for anybody. Well, it's easier than ever now for people to take control of their own creative content because there's no buyers. Yeah. They can just put it up on online wherever they want: YouTube, TikTok. Yeah, people whatever. like it; they'll like it. Exactly. And, and the people that cut through cut through massively. Yes. You know, um, on TikTok in particular, Scotland has got humongous. I mean, absolutely eye-watering it's uh, a fascination with the accent I think of um, a- action on there some some of the uh, the influencers have got like mm-hmm. four five six million yeah. uh, followers mm. so it's it's fascinating and they're not really yeah. they're not really doing very much uh-huh. but there are um, there are other people that are doing really 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 creative work and, and not make a asking, living from it. not asking permission. They don't yeah. need permission. Nobody needs permission no, anymore. You don't. That's and that's ex- so exciting. Mm-hmm. It, it has its its pros and cons, doesn't it? Sometimes you're like, oh Jesus Christ, we just <laughs> stop. <laughs> but for the that, that is that is the beauty of it. Um, obviously, running a company like this is um, there. Are, there's a, there are a lot of demands. There are a lot of things that are required. One of those being investment. Are you willing to? Well, we have spoken in some of the press releases. Yeah, we've gone yeah. public about our yeah. <coughs> who they are. I mean, who who well, who we, is involved? We're incredibly uh, excited about mm. our our investors. I mean, the, for the first round, um, the company's still the same company. So, um, it, the first round of people are still with us. So, mm. because of Janice's job really working right across the, the 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 creative media right across the years she's formed lots of fantastic relationships with a lot of very interesting people and been really you know instrumental quite a lot of the time in um helping those people publicize what they're doing yeah. or or growing their career you know doing first interviews with Janice you know the Louis Capaldi's mm. and the Douglas Stewart's of this world. Sean McDonald's of this world. <laughs> Sean McDonald's. Um, that was my first one. But we're very lucky that we, we we thought that rather than go kind of after the big venture capital investment which would be quite difficult for this type of company mm. we went after investors who would get what we were doing and be emotionally invested in yeah. it. Mm. From that kind of Scottish cultural scene, so uh, the brilliant Jim Kerr and Charlie Burchell from Simple Minds, mm-hmm. so you can imagine how we felt about that. It was yeah. just brilliant approaching them. Jim was amazing, actually, because he just got back straight away um, to say, you know, I already am I'm a podcast addict. And I'm already listening to the, some of the podcasts that you guys produce. So it's just like that. I couldn't believe yeah, he better, the reply. He better be listening to Blethered or there'll be trouble. I'm he's, sure he does. He's going to be the next guest, isn't he? I'm sure he yeah, does. Well, he's I'm one sure of them. Yeah. Uh, um, Val McDermott, just wonderful. You know, yeah. the, queen of, the queen of Tartan Noir and Serene Rankin. So we're absolutely thrilled. And we've got a couple of other investors as well. Um, so absolutely thrilled to bits. And I think that makes all the difference because the, it's like they're emotionally involved in it too. You know, they mm-hmm. know us and they yeah. believe in us and they trust us. Yeah, I, coming from a creative back background and probably knowing where it's going and, yeah. and wanting to be involved it's yeah. fantastic um, during Covid as Covid just hit and just as things were starting to kind of get running don't want to go over all ground but we'll kind of summarise it in a minute and then we'll move on so having to be based in your house Fiona mm. I mean it is, a, it is a lovely house but you don't want to be mm. in it I mean, all were, the time working No and thank God we've now moved into this fantastic uh, 
building. Um, but we were in our, our house for two and a half, two wow. and a half years. That's crazy, isn't it? And the long-suffering Brian McAlpine, who's one of our amazing uh, producer, engineers, Sound composer, engineer, absolutely everything. Handy man. Couldn't have done it without him. Uh, I happened to live with him, so that's also <laughs> that was also quite handy. You've got to have your perks, darling. But because Brian, <laughs> uh, God, poor Brian, but because because Brian is a musician, he already had. A recording studio yeah. in the house, so yeah. it wasn't a huge stretch just to make literally the back bedroom mm-hmm. into a. It's a beautiful a, a, podcast, a podcast studio. studio. It was great, beautiful it? thing, and, yeah. and he uh, he lined the walls and. Oh, so I mean, it was right. a, it was quite an extraordinary amount of work that he did, but it, it it enabled us to 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 keep going. And at one point, we were doing about five or six shows were going were going through <laughs> um the back bedroom and shows that were made in the back bedroom yeah. went on to win awards i mean it's absolutely nuts to think that a couple of our shows <laughs> that we made in the house uh be you know huge media Giants like uh, the the Guardian and Spotify and the Telegraph and the Economist, we yeah. beat them and and won awards. It's I mean, shows. perfect example and testament as to how there again there are no barriers. Just go and no create, barriers. and if it's good, yeah. it will cut through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk. What were the awards? Talk us through them. Um. So we made a show. Um. One of the first shows that got nominated for a British Podcast Award actually in, in 2021 was uh, Old School with Ida Schuster. We'll talk about Which that. was an amazing, an amazing uh, privilege to be able to to make that show with the, one of the most interesting women I've ever met in my life. Um, and then the following year, we were nominated first off for an ARIA Award, which is insane because that's like, yes, the, like the Oscars, Oscars. Yeah, yeah, the Oscars of Audio, of audio World. Um, Atlantic, a Scottish story, was nominated for an ARIA. Unfortunately, didn't win. We was robbed. We but were, we it then robbed. went on <laughs> in 2022 to win um, at the British Podcast Awards, as did our um, show COP26 Daily, which we made during COP26 um, Cameron Angus Mackay an amazing young producer that we work with um, he went off with his laptop and microphone with his accreditation and he produced the most extraordinary content right across the two weeks of that World Summit and went on to win a silver award Mm -hmm. at the British Podcast Awards again beating The Economist and Spotify and it won for Best Daily Podcast which is off, yeah, absolutely incredible to us that 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 happened because that is a a, a huge category. Yeah. yeah, and I remember at the time saying to him, Sean, you know, you, you'll need somebody, you know, you need an assistant with you to help. Ever, but I love the fact he was just quite single-minded in a really courteous, lovely way because that's absolutely what makes Cameron tick. But at the same time, he just knew. Actually, having somebody else with me is going to be more of a bother. You yeah. probably understand that as well because you're a sort of solo operator and you know how that works. But for other people, that'd be really daunting. And off he went, as you say, Fiona won, you know, one big time. Yeah, there was even there was there were some people I spoke to, and I was saying to him, I was like, "How do you even know who that is?" <laughs> like that's really all the environmental stuff, minister yeah. for Botswana. You're like, yeah. "How did you know how to, how to 
identify who that person was in the first place. So yeah. I think that's probably why he was, partly why he was really deserving of the award. Yeah. Um, my favourite story, by the way, with regards to creating podcasts and the back studio, which was essentially the back bedroom in your house. You know, you know what I'm going to say. I don't know if you know this story, Janice. So last <laughs> summer, 2021, I was approached to create a podcast series for the Royal Bank of Scotland. And they said, we'll supply you with six guests. We'll give you what we would like you to talk about. So with one was like uh, somebody who bought a house at 20, interviewed them about that. The other one was um, a student who gives um, financial advice to other students and how they can maximise their money. And yeah, so that was a brief. So we came to Fiona and, and Brian and was like, let's work on this together. So we agreed on the dates of them coming. So we had um, <laughs> this, this girl came and she had... She'd like bought a house at 20. Right. So the deal was her and her pal were going to come through if he'd done D. I think she was like 21 or something, 22. Come through if he'd done D and uh, do the podcast. And they, so they came to the house, greeted them, I introduced them to Fiona and Brian. Through we go to the it back. Was summer, they weren't wearing very many clothes. No. And um, <laughs> so uh, you're going to make me sound bad now when I say the next part. <laughs> You stitched me up on purpose there. So then after they were like, what he's up, I've seen what he's doing, where he's going. And they said, can you recommend anywhere for us to go for a drink? And mm -hmm. I, it was COVID times as well. So it was difficult. And I was saying, you need to kind of book things. And I was like, but try here. I said, we are going to go to this place, Key Gardens later. I said, you can try there. So they eventually did come. So we're sitting like chatting and stuff. And everybody said a few drinks by this point. And then she just said, your mum and dad are really lovely. <laughs> So I was like, but I'm about 14 vodkas deep at this point. And I was like, my mum and dad are lovely. What? Like, I didn't know what she was talking about. And she went, your mum and dad at your house? And I was like, sorry, what? I was like, do you think that's, do you think that that's where I live? Is that not your house? And I was going, no. And basically she thought that my mum and dad during lockdown had built me a podcast studio. <laughs> And had put it in the back of the house. And I was like, no, no, it's very much That's a business, so but it has to operate from the house right uh -huh. now um, during COVID. So I was like, no, I had to text <laughs> you on a straight yeah. away saying, <laughs> they thought you were my mum and dad. <laughs> You're just like a son to us, sure. I know, that's it. Uh, they probably just picked up on the connection, <laughs> didn't they? Um, let's talk about some of the shows because the, the Big Light has created such a, a varied and, and diverse amount of things. We'll, I'll go through them. We've got Talk Media with Stuart Cos Cosgrove and Professor Eamon O'Neill discussing the week's news stories with a, a well-known guest each week. You had Old Firm Facts uh, with Adam Miller, Talking Dairy Girls, that one explains itself. Old School with Ida Schuster. Uh, you could fight a start. You could fight a start. <laughs> you could start a fight in an empty house with Angela McCluskey. Um, you need to tell and the Paul Cindy Cantillon. What, Paul That's Cantillon. Such an amazing listen. I, I, I would urge, 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 urge all of you to to find that and listen to it. It's an absolute hoot. I won't. Two crazy people living in Italy. Yeah. I won't <laughs> ask. Angela's from Deniston originally, and, um, and, and she, Paul Paul comes from a really quite eccentric sort of evangelical background. Oh, does he? And he's an award-winning movie composer. Mm. And the two of them seem I'm like nuts. the most unlikely couple, but they're just bloody brilliant yang together. And, yang. and they just riff. Please listen to it. Yeah, I, I, I just bloom and love it. They, they riff about all sorts of nonsense. Laugh and you want to know about funny. Cindy Lauper? Well, I was going to say it. So I want to to know the chat about Cindy Lauper and then how she ended up round Brian's piano in the house with Las Vegas standing nervously in the corner. <laughs> and a curry. <laughs> I mean, talk, talk us through that story. Well, that's could. nothing really to do with the podcast. That's a few years before we were even making the podcast, but. Uh, 
friend of mine, Kelly, phoned me one night and said, come down, come down the road, come come to Stravagan. We're just sitting in the, having something to eat. And Brian and I were like, oh, can't be bothered. Let's not bother. And then, I don't know why, we ended up going. We walk in <laughs> and sitting around the table is, I knew Angela. I was like squinting and looking across the table at this other little person <laughs> Jesus Christ, it was Cindy Lauper. Oh, it's mental, isn't it? <laughs> and Angela and Cindy are best pals. They're best friends, Aye. right. And Cindy was playing in Glasgow and had come a couple of days earlier or whatever. But what an absolute joy of a person she was. She was brilliant. And then towards the end of the, the, the evening, she said, oh my God, it's my birthday tomorrow. Where can we go? Where can we go for my birthday? That's my really shit Cindy <laughs> impersonation, but she Sounds actually like does ET. talk like she that. Um, and she's gorgeously short-sighted. She's, she's that wee scar. I love her to bits. And then uh, I said, never mind going out anywhere. Why don't you come to my flat? <laughs> And she was like, but I've got my band. I'm like, bring the band too. So anyway, <laughs> unbelievably, Cindy and her band ended up coming to our flat for her, her birthday party. Um, she invited other mutual friends, um, uh, a couple other m- music people and the band Glass Vegas <laughs> also came. <laughs> they were very polite. They kind of just stood in the kitchen. But meanwhile, uh, Cindy was... Uh, refreshed shall we say along with her band (laughs) and uh, played amazing music Um, Brian invited a couple of his pals who play guitar and fiddle to come and uh, And the absolute absolute joy of Cindy Lauper singing do you know any Robbie Burns she said (laughs) at one point and uh, then she burst into My Love Is Like A a Red Red Rose um, and sang also True Colours. But Girls Just Wanna Have I mean, Fun is one of my favourite songs of all time. She didn't sing that. Did she not? <laughs> she didn't like that one. Did she? I would have flung no. out it. Either sing it or get <laughs> it. And do you know what? I never took one photograph. She, <laughs> That's good though, isn't it? That's that, good. Aye, I know, That's but cool. at the same time... That's such a good laugh. You want to be documenting that in some way because there was a few things yeah. when Fiona and I were in London mm. and then she would some throwaway remark and it would be like, yeah, when I... Did that, directed that thing for the Proclaimers, and I already knew that, but there's other stories I can't remember. And you're like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 back up a minute. Like, what? You can't just say that so casually. I can't remember half of it. No. But anyway, here we go. Um, do you have, I won't ask you to pick a favourite podcast because we obviously know it's going to be blethered, but for, out, of, <laughs> out of the other ones that are kind of part of the, the big light, what ones do stand out? I mean, oh. old school and. I think that, yeah, old school. Um, it was unforgettable because I'd, I'd known Ida for quite a while and it was wonderful because I think we bumped into her at something at the, the concert hall when she was just a nipper of a hundred. She was just <laughs> yeah. a wane. Yeah. And she, she just, I just remember looking at her and talking to her and it was just like, she looked, she was absolutely beautiful, cheekbones, yeah. beautifully turned out. I think she'd done a scarlet coat and pearls and she just looked great. I was going, you're amazing. And she'd come along to this thing. Anyway, she said to me, eventually later on in the conversation, she said, you know, Janice, um, uh, people just keep phoning me up because of my great age now and they think I can tell them this, that, the next thing. And she said, you know, I always remember the way she said, she says, I'm beginning to think ich bin ein Archive. Oh, I yeah. am an archive. And I thought, oh my God, that's a podcast. Yeah. I'm an archive. Well, we didn't call it that in the end. We went for old school with Ida Schuster, but it really was very much, so wasn't it, Fiona, she, her 
talking beautifully with extraordinary recall about all sorts yeah. of aspects of her life. So a, a Glaswegian Jewish woman. Yeah, grew Lithuania. Up, Lithuania grew up in the Gorbals or came over. Were they escaping the Holocaust? Uh, no, it was, it was before that, uh, right. sort of like turn of the century kind of thing. Yeah. But and, yeah, and they lived in the Gorbals. And she was giving her recollections of like working in the theatre and stuff. Oh. And her recall was absolutely... Oh. Um, it but was, it's this window into the past, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was quite an interesting production process because we wanted it to feel very much you know rooted in her story and her voice um so Janice interviewed her and then we cut out all of Janice's yeah, questions. Yeah, so it's essentially like a monologue. But you know what? Just remembering mm. that, Fiona, um, I had to sort of say that because she and I knew each other well. So she was she started off initially, you know, just answering. I said, "I'm really sorry because I'm going to so explain to I'm going to be yeah. cut out of this." Can you make your answer self-contained? I'm mm. saying to a 100 year old woman, yeah, but a 100 year old woman who was as sharp as a tack. She caught. She did that instantly. Yeah, it was amazing. We didn't really have to do much of that kind of editing because mm. she just got it. People, oh. people that listen to this will often take a recommendation if I say go and listen to something. Honestly, go and listen to old school because it is just fascinating. And just short talking about episodes. Yeah, and what, what it was like to live at that time and and through the prism of somebody or the perspective of somebody who was a Jewish Lithuanian but also distinctly Glaswegian. And yeah, I think I might be wrong. Does she even talk about? With the, when Jews were then coming over and a bit of grief that they were kind of getting uh, from maybe right wing factions and you're like wow yeah. like she was is... always very political yeah and that was another reason why it was brilliant we were able to get Alan Cumming to introduce the series yeah. um, uh, for Ida because his very first film role was in was it Passing Glory oh well, mixed up with whichever one it was oh, but not in, your it, pals films. in it Ida played a kind of like a granny who was an absolute diehard Marxist kind of revolutionary yeah. and um, but it was it was Alan Cumming very first full role, film role directed woman. by Gillis McKinnon and um, he could not believe that he was going to be in a film so he was in awe of, of, of Ida he couldn't believe he was going to be in a film with her because he'd seen her on stage at the Glasgow Citizens Theatre yeah. and so that's why uh, at the, the end of the whole thing I was able to say to him can you please um, introduce the yeah. series so yeah it was lovely nice wee way to bookend yeah. b- with, with both of them Gill- you mentioned Gillis McKinnon did yeah. he direct Small Faces do you know yes. mm-hmm. what a it was. film yes. that is yeah I absolutely love it. Tongs your bass. I'm going to go and watch that tonight. <laughs> um, we have to talk about Great Scott, uh, another series that I would urge people to go and listen to. Um, guests such as Billy Conley, James McAvoy, Annie Lennox, Alan Cumming, Brian Cox. I mean, that, that guest list speaks for itself. Are they coming because they love you? I think they are. I think we. I kind of knew them all, so there's no doubt about it. There was there was also so so they knew and trusted me, mm. and they were willing to do it. And I remember particularly doing the Annie Lennox one because that was during lockdown. Um, in fact, a few of them were during lockdown. But I remember that with Annie because I just felt as if she and I had also I'd been lucky enough to host this big event at the Armadillo in Glasgow. And it was an evening with Annie Lennox, and I spent quite a bit of time with her before that. We we hung out together. Her team are the you can't imagine the best pros I've ever worked with in terms of putting a show on and they'd made sure that we'd gotten to know each other really really well so there was a mutual trust there but I do feel I do particularly remember the one with Annie because I felt as if actually being part being in lockdown for her and I think in LA um, it was as if I was tapping into something else from Annie Lennox Mm. where she was extraordinarily honest and candid about everything about her own sort of existential fears her worries for the planet you know she's a great environmentalist and I felt as if I was able to sort of really dig deep with her 
And I hope, I think that's true with the rest of them as well. I think because they yeah. kind of knew me, not in a kind of lovey way at all, but they sort of trusted me. We were able to, I was really able to dive really deep with them. Well, yeah, we'll do another, we're hoping to yes. yeah. bring another series of that this year. And uh, any company that would be so lucky to be involved in either sponsoring and advertising that. Oh, yes. I mean, that is, a, that is a great opportunity. See where you're saying they trust you. How do you cultivate that trust or does that just come naturally? I think it's just a case of, well, somebody like Alan Cumming, I mean, again, Fiora and I knew Alan back in the day when the, he was he was working at SVU, wasn't he? he was he? I, well, him and uh, Forbes, Forbes, that's right, they did. did a thing called Victor and Barry, right. um, which um, I worked in the entertainment department and they used to come in all the time to develop a television version or TV content around their theatre characters, Victor and Barry. In fact, I think they're doing something Soon, I think they're revisiting them yeah. them soon. Um, but I, I, yeah, Alan used to be uh, at that uh, production desk on Acropolis. Right. Now he was, right. he was one of the researchers. That's right. Like That's that. right. It's Everybody's got to start somewhere. And I'd worked before in. Fiona always laughs because I used to work on a number of different festivals, including the late lamented Glasgow Mayfest. Fiona always takes the piss out of me. She goes, did you work at Mayfest? <laughs> Honestly, it was such an extraordinary time in my life. I'd worked with a great bunch, particularly of women. And again, it was that freedom to do your thing, um, um, you know, to mount festivals with extraordinary people from around the world, mm-hmm. with a socialist sort of bent to it. There were companies from Nicaragua and Cuba and all nice. the rest of it. It was just, it was absolutely fantastic. But I do have a memory because... We, because of Mayfest, we had a the Mayfest Club. It was a part of the Mitchell Theatre called the Moyer Hall. And there hadn't really been anything like it. And that's my memory. The reason I'm remembering it is, I'll tell you in a second, because um, uh, I remember walking in going, who are these two guys? And it was Victor and Barry, Forbes Master and Alan so Cumming, funny. dressed up as much older camp sort of men um, from the Kelvin Side Amateur Dramatic Group. <laughs> and they were playing and s- singing songs. And everything. I thought, who the hell are they? They were literally just wearing dressing gowns. They hadn't mm. even the money for proper clothes. Um <laughs> And I just thought, they're sensational. And the reason I'm remembering that is they are revisiting it. So there's a book coming out and various mm. people have been asked to write a chapter of memories. And I remember that so well. So I've written a thing about oh, it nice. for the, the Victor and Barry book whenever that comes out. Um, but so, yeah, remarkable talent. So we were talking about how that trust comes, though, because mm. it's not easy um, to, to have people to trust you so implicitly. Do you think it's just through the way that you interact with them? Is it sort of protecting them a bit? Is it being cooperative and collaborative as opposed to, gotcha, I got a good line out of you? Like, yeah, oh, I never think of it in that way. Mm-hmm. I just do think of it much more as a conversation. Yeah. I don't know. I just I sort Short of get interest. into the vibe with all of them. You make me remember that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I obviously do a little bit of prep. Yeah. But I'm not really sitting, I'm not sitting with any notes in front of me or anything like that, you know? And you're just in the conversation. And as you know, Sean, and you know, Fiona, it's just, it's listening. It's listening to them. Listen to what they say. Yeah, and it, just backwards and forwards, some, so it's natural. Sometimes, like if I listen to an interview, I want to run headfirst into a brick wall if the person's given oh. them about 100 jump-off points, but they're just looking at question two, and it's yeah. like, ask them that, that yeah. was far better. And I know that if you, you remembered that in the Billy Connolly one, his daughter Cara, yeah. and I think maybe you were both greeting during part of it. Well, I cry quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. That, I mean, that needs no encouragement, does it, for anybody listening to go and seek out the one. But if you listen to one thing, go and listen to oh, Billy Connolly yeah, chatting really... to his pal, and it's it's amazing. It's a fine balance, though, isn't it? Because you don't want it to be too pally. So I, I think somehow we never, with any of those interviews, got to that. You don't want it to seem all sort of incestuous. So I don't th- yeah, fingers I, crossed, I don't think they seemed like that at all. It was just more of a no, I not think, at all. I think Trust sparing vibe. Janice's 
blushes. They have a deep respect and yeah. admiration for her as a broadcaster. And um, you're just, you're absolutely one of the best interviewers of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not blowing smoke up your eyes, but yeah, I mean it is. It's, oh, part, yeah, it's, yeah, I it's respect. I wouldn't argue with that. Um, and it's um, you know, people request <sighs> you to yeah. interview them because they know they're not going to get stitched up, just as you said a minute ago. Yeah, thank you, my darling. Yeah. We need to get more out of you. You need yeah. you to work harder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll do the Janice Forsyth podcast next. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, about. Are you looking at my Paulo Sarmanos t-shirt? Yeah, I was. I Jamie just clocked a, it there. Have right? you watched uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul? See Breaking Bad, right? I watched <laughs> series one and I said to my pal, I was like, sorry, it went... Why, this isn't any good and he's like no no see if you just hold on to series 3 there'll be good and I'm like I don't need to fucking earn my entertainment <laughs> like it's either good or it's not like I'm not like okay I'll invest for 3 series and then yeah. it'll start getting good so no so apologies to anybody who loves it I'm assuming this you do this is the as Chicken well. Brothers yeah from Polos Hermanos yeah but, but, yeah there's a reason I'm wearing it yeah just kind of as we're rounding up a few other things I would like to ask about the your afternoon show on BBC Radio Scotland how mm-hmm. long have you done that? Don't, don't ask me to remember I, I have no concept how, of time you frustrate me because I, I, know, can, me, I can mention anything you're like Gillis McKinnon the team uh, direct small faces yes and then you'll go off and tell me about his life for ages but I'll say you I always go out to me what day is I it I can't remember times or anything I'll say it's Thursday Jonas. and you go oh I thought it was Friday or I'll say it's Friday oh, I thought it was Thursday we're very old Sean this yeah. is what happens to you your brains are just getting so is, much information my brain is rotting to you just you wait <laughs> saturated I already forget <laughs> stuff straight away anyway I think also, though, to be fair, I think to everybody, the pandemic I, I has got in the way of things. I just, yeah. I don't really have a concept of what it's year weird, of X happened in. Because I always tie things to events. I'll go, oh yeah, that was quite close to the Scottish Cup final. So that would have been in May because <laughs> it was just after it. That's how I kind of tie things. But nothing happened. So it's just like, when when did any of that kind of take place? Yeah. But you've done the show for a while. You're down to, is it two days, Monday and Tuesday? You're kind of yeah. sharing it with Grant Stott. Uh, no, actually, Grant's off it now because he's full time on River City now. Is he? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> no so way. basically, I, I had done. There have been different manifestations of an of an art show over yeah. the years. It was great to finally get it as an afternoon show. I fought tooth and nail to make sure there was music in it because at one point BBC Radio Scotland, under a previous controller, was insisting that there would be no no music during the day, and it was like, what? That's enough talk. Anyway, um, so. Weird. Various manifestations, and then so then it became the Jans Versailles show, then it became the afternoon show. So now Grant sadly is gone. He was so popular with the yeah, team, he's the Bloomin loved him. He's he? a great guy, yeah. And I'm based in Glasgow. He was based in Edinburgh, so the team is actually based in Edinburgh. So they loved seeing the lovely, affable, fantastic Grant yeah, with them. So now we've got a different lineup. So we've got Nicola Meehan, She continues on a Friday. Uh, I do Mondays and Tuesdays, and we've now got Michelle McManus doing Wednesdays. So that's the lineup now. Yeah, ah, quite varied then. Yeah. You get to share it. This has been great. I've really enjoyed this. I have been on it, you both, to do this for like a few years. So I'm glad we, glad you finally gave in. It just shows what holding a knife to somebody can exactly. get them to do. I just don't. Is anyone interested in this stuff? I don't know. Probably not. We are. <laughs> I like listening back to it. Keep it as a wee memory archive. Mm. Um, final question to both of you in just one line, if you can. What do you want to come from the next couple of years or the next the next phase as we step into this for for the big light? Fiona's. She's throwing you under the bus. Eh? Uh, 
what do we want? We we want the big light to become um, the the kind of well, it's a combination of things, isn't there? We want to really establish Scotland as a centre of excellence for podcast uh, creation, podcast production, and that's either shows for our own network or shows that we can make content that we can make um, for commercial partners. Um, I think podcasting is finally really reaching a tipping point where it's going from being something that's maybe considered to be a little bit niche to something that's hugely mainstream and popular. And we've we've got the, the, the BBC Sounds to really thank for that. Let's give mm-hmm. BBC um, a big shout out for that because they um, have really really developed the landscape in podcasting um, to allow smaller indie companies like us. But I think we're really kind of the only company really in Scotland that's doing what we're doing. So yeah, we want to grow. Yeah. We want to grow into a bigger Yeah, it's a, bigger a combination company. of production studio mm-hmm. um, uh, whereby, as Fiona said, we can make all sorts of podcasts for all sorts of commercial companies and mm-hmm. so on, but also the network. So you know, we just had the, the guts to go off and create a podcast network for Scotland. Yeah. And that's great in terms of cross-fertilisation and marketing and all the rest of it. We really have a, a mm-hmm. big presence. So our aim over the next year is uh, just to, to build and build the company. And as we've said earlier on, you know, to create opportunities for, you know, a new generation of bright young things coming through. A bit like yourself, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> He's not so young anymore. Oh, I know, on. I'm actually getting quite old. I look young now. You do look so young. That's all you look matters. after yourself. Yes. It's a skincare routine. Like, if you want to look, maybe if you're disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> can I take a joke? about 10. Can I take a joke? Anyway. This has been great, so thank you for for giving me your time and thanks for sharing so much of your memories. And if you've not already, make sure to switch on the big light. Yay! Thanks for listening, and as always, we'll be back next time with another episode of Blethered. Cheers. Blethered was written and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine. And for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series, including Talk Media, Natural Wonders, You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House, Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug, and Old School. All on the Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.